My name is Mohan Varthakavi. Uh, I'm a senior manager at uh, Amazon Elastic Cash. I've been with uh, Amazon for the last seven years, with the service team for the last uh, couple of years. Uh, this is my uh, fourth reInvent, uh, exciting time for us, particularly we, we are representing the service team. Uh, in, in fact, you know, this is the time for us to actually talk about all the things that we have done throughout the year, and so very exciting time for us. Uh, and I have Ravi Kumar Balachandran, who is uh, also part of Amazon Elastic Cash Engineering, and uh, we together uh, we are going to talk about Redis and uh, uh, migrating uh, if you have workloads, Redis workloads on EC2, and some of the considerations uh, that uh, you should definitely think about. Um, First of all, before getting into the presentation, though, how many of you actually uh, are first-time reInvent participants? Oh, nice. At least half of you. We have very few, but <laughs> even half of them are first-time reInvent. I hope you're enjoying. Um, when I uh, was in uh, reInvent for the first time, uh, it was a bit overwhelming uh, because so many customer meetings and a lot of learnings, insights from customers. Uh, and so it really helps us, uh, and, and I'm hoping that you're enjoying it. Looks like there are parties going on um, <laughs> in different casinos, uh, and I hope you're enjoying that as well. Uh, with that said, um, today's uh, session is about uh, Redis. Uh, we're going to talk about what is Redis and why does it matter. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, why you should use Amazon Elastic Cache. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about how you can migrate uh, Redis workloads from uh, self-hosted EC2 to Amazon Elastic Cache. Uh, we have a demo, and then we have question and answers. Um, and so our hope is that by end of the uh, presentation, you have a few things, action items. Uh, if you are particularly running uh, Redis on EC2, that uh, you could actually use it use our uh, considerations to move it to Elastic Cache. And so that's our goal. Um, with that said, I just wanted to talk to uh, all of you and uh, about familiarity of, of Redis for you. How many of you are actually either brand new to Redis or probably less than a year learning about Redis? We have like a couple of them, three. Uh, so you're learning about Redis and looking to use it in workloads. Uh, I suppose that's the situation you're in. Um, how many of you are like five years or maybe more than five years as well? Okay, so we have couple, three or four experts, so awesome. Um, how many of, the, of you are 10 plus years? This is a trick question. Yeah, okay, no, nothing surprises me because Redis turned 10 years only early this year. So a handful of people actually used Redis for more than 10 years and so probably Salvatore who wrote the product. Uh, so um, good, so I'm gonna talk about Redis really quickly uh, for the people who are new to Redis and I'm gonna talk about Elastic Cache and then we get into the migration stuff. Um, Redis overview, uh, real-time applications. Most of the applications you use today in this, um, um, like on your mobile phones, or desktops and whatnot, uh, because of the network speeds and bandwidth that you can communicate with and all of that, uh, you typically have requirements where your response times have to be really, really, really fast, and it should be in real time. And many of the applications out there, uh, they're looking for providing seamless experience for customers. Um, typically, they're dealing with terabytes of data, um, and sometimes petabytes of data. But um, you're, you're talking about uh, latencies uh, less than uh, even a millisecond. We say microsecond is the normal. So some of our workloads where latencies are like 300 microseconds. And so you're talking about really extremely low latencies. Um, uh, and also applications, applications need high throughput as well. We're talking about millions and millions of transactions per second. Uh, and uh, and developers who are looking to develop these applications, they're looking for something that's open source, so they're familiar with, instead of learning some proprietary APIs and whatnot. And so uh, it's important that the API is friendly, developer friendly, and it's kind of something that developers can easily connect to and develop. Um, now, 
uh, and there are several use cases. Uh, caching is one of the big use cases. Uh, majority of our workloads, actually 70% of them are, are caching workloads. Uh, and customers are looking to use a cache either uh, sort of in front of their uh, primary data store uh, or, or as a um, you know, temporary state of data uh, uh, to achieve high performance. Uh, there are other use cases as well, like leaderboards, um, uh, gaming use cases, uh, uh, media streaming, uh, several of these scenarios. They are all real-time applications uh, looking to get uh, high, very high throughput and uh, low latency. Now, this is where Redis comes into the picture. Uh, Redis uh, is um, uh, um, in-memory data store, has been uh, 10 years, like I said. Um, and the idea is that because you store the data in memory, you can actually provide very fast response times. Uh, you could achieve uh, uh, low latencies and high throughput with the data that is stored in the memory, obviously faster than retrieving data from the disk. Um, it's open source, simple. Um, it's designed for high availability uh, because it has the topology like masters and replicas, where if you have a master, you can replicate data um, uh, real time. And um, most importantly, it provides several data structures that developers are sort of familiar with. Um, you know, when I was a developer, I was using lists and, and uh, uh, still writing code at the time, like sorted sets and things like that, right? Uh, if I have a data store where I can actually see the same type of data structures that I can actually store and retrieve data, it's easy for me to connect to. Um, so uh, Redis provides very a rich set of data structures for, for, uh, for your consumption. Um, uh, the, the other important factor is that uh, Redis provides a set of commands that you can use to make uh, uh, your implementation easy. Uh, like for example, uh, when I was in my previous stint, I was in geospatial, and one of the things that we used to do was finding a nearby restaurant, for example. And for you to do that, you will need to write complex code to say, here is the bounded rectangle, um, and, you know, and then you write complex code to say, this point falls into that rectangle, and proximity things, and all of that. And there is a simple one command in Redis called georadius that just does all of that for you. You just need to add lat-longs, it does all of that for you. So set of powerful commands and all of that. Um, most importantly, uh, it also provides you uh, uh, the backup and restore. So if you have data that you want to take backup and if uh, you want to launch a new instance with that data, you can do all of that. So um, Redis is extremely um, popular. Um, you know Stack Overflow, uh, that's where developers go for collaborating on you know, difficult issues and things like that. And so three years in a row, um, Stack Overflow in survey, uh, they voted Redis as the most loved database, three years in a row. So it's very extremely popular in the developer community. Now you must be thinking, if it is open source, why can't I just put it on EC2? Uh, why can't I just run it myself, right? Um, first of all, to run Redis, um, it's important to configure that in such a way that uh, it, it, um, it, it does the right thing for you, uh, particularly optimizing for a use case. Um, setting memory settings and setting it up, uh, making sure you are designing the right topology and all of that, right? So that takes time. It's difficult to manage that. Um, it's also making sure it's highly available uh, is an important consideration. Uh, Redis runs in several modes, uh, cluster mode, non-cluster mode. Even in the cluster mode, you can have you know, uh, two shards where there is no majority and a few other aspects where your typical uh, having a master and a replica is not going to provide you high availability. You need a sophisticated monitoring system that can look at um, the nodes that is running Redis and take appropriate action when the nodes uh, get impaired uh, and also when nodes uh, are not responding. Um, that's also difficult to do if you're doing it on EC2 on your own. Uh, it's difficult to scale. Uh, many of the times for real-time applications, one of the things that changes rapidly is your um, uh, transactions per second. A lot of times you don't have a leading indicator 
uh, in terms of when uh, you're going to get more volume of requests. And many of these uh, situations you want to scale out, meaning you want to distribute your data across multiple uh, masters or shards, and so you get incremental uh, uh, write throughput, and or you want to scale up, and so you can get you know uh, incremental read and write throughput, and so scaling out, scaling in, all of these things, doing it in an online fashion is also very difficult to achieve. And so if you're hosting on EC2, you have to do all of that stuff. Because of all these reasons, it gets very expensive. You're gonna invest resources and time to do all of this. Instead, you can actually you know, use your resources on, on things that really matters to your customers and uh, enhance your product experience. And so, uh, this is where Amazon Elastic Cache comes in. Um, as you know at AWS, uh, many of our services that we created and um, we provide to customers is because customers actually asked for it. Uh, we get many of uh, the roadmap items for us from customers. Um, and so at the time when we actually released Elastic Cache, we started with Memcached and then, when the, and then we released Redis. Um, this was almost um, seven years ago. Uh, many of the customers actually asked for it, and they said, look, you know, we are using EC2, you provide a great platform, compute platform with uh, several instances and all of that, but, you know, we are spending time on all these things that you can make it easier for us. And so that is when we came up with Elastic Ash. Uh, now, what do we do on Elastic Ash? Uh, the, uh, the first thing that we do is that uh, we are tuning uh, Redis, for extreme performance on the instance types. Uh, take an, take uh, R5s, for example, or M5s. We released early in the year um, our R5 and M5 instances that you can use to host Redis workloads on Elastic Cache. And on Elastic Cache, you can achieve 150% incremental throughput compared to your open source Redis. Um, on, on a single node, on our biggest R5 nodes, you can get up to 425,000, um, almost half a million transactions per second. Um, that's amazing. Uh, and what we're doing is that we're really working with uh, EC2, uh, and, and we're really tuning uh, both at the network stack level and at the uh, VM level to make sure Redis performs um, um, you know, and provides incremental throughput for customers. And then uh, we also provide you fully managed experience. Um, what that means is that we are taking care of everything for you, meaning we are, we are patching the nodes, uh, we are configuring the right way. We have a sophisticated monitoring system that's actually monitors, monitors the nodes and your cluster all the time. And, um, and uh, we, we, we take uh, action immediately when we find a node that's not healthy and are not responding. Uh, we also uh, makes you um, uh, scale your cluster easily, uh, both uh, scaling out or scaling in, uh, or scaling up and down with new instance types, and you can do that. Many of the configurations in an on online fashion, you don't have any downtime involved in that, right? Um, and uh, we provide multi-AZ support. What that means is that if you have a master and a replica in different availability zones, uh, in, in rare cases, when your availability zone is experiencing issues, we can um, fail over uh, your master to the uh, alternate uh, availability zone, meaning that you don't have any downtime. Um, most importantly for enterprises, this is very important. Uh, we are secure and compliant, meaning that we are HIPAA compliant, PCI, FedRAMP, and we take care of all of that. Uh, when we have a patch that we need to patch your nodes, we either make you select uh, when you want to patch or uh, we do it for you in the uh, maintenance windows that you prefer. Uh, and so your uh, cluster is always compliant with whatever the regime that you chose. Um, so, and most importantly, we are open source compatible, meaning that uh, anytime uh, we have open source version within a few weeks of the release, we have it available in Elastic Cache as well. So um, that's the Elastic Cache story. A uh, lot of our customers uh, actually are very happy using Elastic Cache, and we have some big customers to mention. Expedia, as you know, is uh, analytical uh, for, for their analytical workloads. 
Um, they use Elastic Cache as a um, caching layer. Uh, we have um, Grab as well, which is a ride-hailing uh, application. Uh, they use it for um, caching layer as well for their uh, data computation in real time when, uh, uh, when people schedule uh, their service. Uh, 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 everybody knows Fortnite. Uh, probably somebody in your family uh, you know, play that game. Epic Games, which is the producer of Fortnite, uh, they use Elastic Cache as well for session store. Um, you're nodding, so probably a few folks using Fortnite. Uh, GE, uh, GE is interesting use case. Uh, particularly GE uh, predict, uh, prediction platform, what they have is that they have uh, container workloads. And so they're, they're spinning up these new containers uh, all the time, and it's a serverless uh, application. And so the idea is that they still have some session state that, that needs to flow between container to container. Uh, and they use Redis for the same thing. So uh, we have uh, several other customers in all kinds of categories, um, geospatial, financial applications using Elastic Cache as well. Um, with that said, um, let's talk about how many people actually uh, are hosting Redis on EC2 in this group? One, two, three. Okay. Um, so. Let's talk about uh, migrating uh, your workloads to um, uh, Elastic Cache. And let's talk about the very basic one that you can do. If you are hosting on EC2, and if you can um, um, uh, take downtime, uh, uh, and you if you have a primary uh, data store that's backing up uh, your Redis uh, cluster, then one of the things you can do is that you can take a backup, uh, typically, Backup is an RDB file. Uh, you have an S3 uh, bucket where you can copy that, give access to Elastic Cache, and then you spin up a new cluster, and then you seed the data in the new cluster from the RDB file. And so now you have new Elastic Cluster running with the RDB file, uh, with the data seeded from the RDB file, and so you're ready to fail over. Now, for many of the cases, it works well because you know it's simple. You just have to take a backup, create a new cluster, everything happens, right? Uh, but your applications still have to deal with um, not having to use that cluster until Elastic Cache cluster comes up and um, ready for you to consume. Um, if you so many of the applications, many of the customers out there, they can't take that downtime. So. What we did was recently we did something where you can do it in an online fashion, and that's what we want to talk about today. What does online migration does is that if you know Redis and even if you're not familiar with Redis, uh, one of the things it does is that when you start a new Elastic Cache cluster and when you start the migration, we actually start replicating data from your existing cluster that's not on Elastic Cache in real time. Um, and then, you can also choose any instance type that you prefer in Elastic Cache, particularly the ones that are extremely tuned for performance. Uh, you can choose any size, and we replicate data onto the new uh, instance type, uh, irrespective of the instance type you have in the self-service, self-hosted EC2. Um, we have monitoring um, during the migration and after the migration. And we have, um, uh, let's say your application reads uh, increased uh, read throughput uh, during the migration. You can do that as well. Uh, and in the end, customer is the one who's making the decision uh, to say when to fail over. Um, we don't make that decision. We guide you in terms of metrics, in terms of what, what to be done, but you make the decision as to when to actually fail over to the new cluster. Uh, and so if you have an application that can't deal with downtime, you can actually appropriately do it when it is the right time for you. And finally, uh, you are going to be on the new engine version, uh, uh, 505, but that is the version that we recommend for all the customers. And the idea is that you are in an uh, engine version uh, that is uh, tuned for performance and you get all the benefits and innovation that we have been making uh, on Redis uh, that's uh, separately from OSS. With that said, I want to show you um, how it works in terms of flow, and then uh, we have a demo as well. Um, for typical 
Redis application, what you typically have is you have a node running Redis and you, um, um, in, in EC2 um, or on-premises for that matter and you have a node.js app uh, that's running basically consuming um, Redis data using Redis API and providing the content. And you have applications, mobile applications or desktop applications using um, your uh, node.js uh, app to get the content and render it to your customers. Uh, now typically, um, customers who are uh, hosting Redis, they run, it, they run their uh, workloads on uh, their own VPC. Uh, and, so, um, and so when you actually start the migration, you go to a console, you start the migration. When you start the migration, before you actually replicate data, we want you to create an Elastic Cache cluster in the same VPC. Why in the same VPC? Because uh, connectivity is, uh, is already established for you. You just need to give uh, permissions to one of the security groups that we have, and so we can connect to your cluster to replicate data. Now, if you have a different VPC, um, you could do that as well. Uh, you just have to establish VPC peering, uh, which is also simple to do, but those are the additional steps to take if you don't have the cluster in the same VPC. Now, once you start the migration, what we're really doing is that we're actually uh, talking to your master in the, um, uh, on the EC2, and we're establishing a replication stream. Uh, when we have a replication stream, um, you're getting data from the existing cluster onto Elastic Cache cluster. And so the replication is going on. Um, and now in the Elastic Cache cluster, you can have the topology that you prefer. You can have multiple replicas for that matter. But there is one replica, what we call primary replica. That's the one that actually uh, establishing the stream and getting the data from your existing cluster on EC2. Now at this point, let's say your application wants to use it, uh, uh, the new cluster, to, for incremental read throughput. You could do that as well. You can, your application can call uh, the new cluster uh, endpoint and start consuming data from it. But you can't write because it's not a master yet, right? Now once you're done all of that, uh, and typically when you have a cluster on Redis, uh, you can look at replication lag. The replication lag is the indicator that tells you how much lag you have from your master to the replica. Typically, uh, the ones that we have on Elastic Cache, typically it's zero, meaning your lag is uh, nothing, right? Um, and so uh, you want to look at that data on your primary cluster, and then you make a decision to say failover. When I say failover, what that really means is that you are saying that I'm not going to be using the cluster that you have on EC2, rather your node.js uh, app actually is using the cluster on Elastic Clash. And so you have a, a fully managed cluster at the time available for you. Now at that point you can choose to actually retire your existing cluster uh, on EC2. And so you have a cluster uh, fully managed and running for you and you have a primary that can take writes and reads at this point, and you can have as many replicas as you want. You can, you can obviously scale out, scale in, uh, or also scale up and scale down, depending on how you're sizing your cluster, uh, and everything is ready to go. So that, that's how, at a higher level, the um, migration process works. Like I said, you have both options. You have an offline migration, which if you can take downtime, you can just take an RDB file, you put it in S3 bucket and you spin a new cluster in Elastic Cache, seed the data with the RDB file and you're ready to go. Or you can do it in online, online migration fashion as well. Uh, you establish the cluster, wait for the data to sync, and then you make a decision when to fail over. And so you have a fully managed cluster for you. So with that said, uh, Ravi is going to demo the migration itself and we have a few considerations that we can uh, talk to you after the demo. As a demo here, please. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, my name is Ravi. I'm a software development manager with Redis. Blue's Elastic Cache team. Oh, good. Uh, sorry. My name is Ravi. I'm a uh, software development manager with AWS Elastic Cache team. So let me just log in. 
Okay. So, great. I'm just going to go to a This is your regular AWS console. Uh, I'm going to show you the setup first before I actually show you how the migration happens. So, so let's go to EC2. And then I have one instance running in EC2. So conveniently named Redis self-hosted EC2. Uh, it's running on an R5 large instance. Right? And as Mohan was mentioning, it's part of a VPC. Uh, it has a public IP and a private IP too, right? So I will log on to a bit into the Elastic Cache instance, uh, sorry, to the EC2 instance and show you the Redis database running there, right? And this is the Redis page uh, on Elastic Cache, right? And uh, the instance, uh, the cluster that I'm going to replicate to or the destination cluster is going to be Redis fully managed Elastic Cache. As you can see, this is running version 505. Uh, which is the latest engine version that we have available on the service. And this also has a R5 large instance. Okay. So let's log on to the EC2 instance first and see the Redis database running there. Right. I'm going to SSH to the host. So I just want to show you that it's the same IP that I'm connecting to, uh, 381.62.121. Hopefully it's big enough and everybody can see it. This is the Redis client uh, that I'm logging on to. Uh, some of you are familiar with uh, Redis, would be familiar with this tool too, right? So I can do an info replication to see what is the status of this particular uh, Redis database. Right. So you can see that it's a master. It has no connected slaves. Let's see some of the data that is there on this EC2 instance. You normally should not do keys command because it lists all the keys, but then since I have very little data here, I'm going to run a keys command. Right, so I have a few strings here. We can do a get to see that. Right, so that's that. So this is my source EC2 Redis database. Now let's connect back to my Elastic Cache cluster. This is a primary endpoint. Okay, let's copy that correctly. Okay. I'm going to connect to that using my Redis client. Okay, so we are on the destination cluster. Let's do an info replication here. You'd see this is a master, right? And it has two slaves. So this is a Redis cluster mode disabled cluster with auto failover enabled. I will show you that in the configuration, but you can see it on the Redis database too, right? So let's do a keys command here. I have no data here, okay? So this is the setup. What you actually have to do is pretty simple. Uh, you'll have to start the migration and for that, Select the cluster and you go to the actions. The actions table, actions drop down, you'll see migrate data from endpoint, right? And below that, you'll also see a stop data migration. So let's start it first. I'm going to give a private IP because we're in the same VPC, right? And the port, I'm not going to change the port. It's the default port that Redis starts on with, and it's the target Redis engine version, right? So. Let's start the migration. And once the migration starts, you would see this has gone in from an available state to a modifying state. And this should take up a few seconds before it goes into a migrating state, right? You can also monitor the status of your migration by looking at events. So when we start the migration, we do send an event and you can go to the events tab and see it. Okay. So let's refresh this. Just give it a few seconds to start up. Okay, now it's gone to migrating. You can see it here. Let's see whether we got the event for it or not. Okay, start migration. 
I did a brief test today morning. That's why you would see this at 9.16 a.m. So this is what we got now at 10.29. So it started migration. Okay. So what happens when it starts migration is that we make the um, so a destination cluster, which you previously saw as a master, uh, a replica of the master running on EC2. Okay. So this was my destination cluster, which I showed you previously. Let's do an info replication one more time. Right. So the uh, role has changed. Previously it was a master. Right now it's become a slave or a replica. Right. And then now let's try to do a keys command. Since we have very little data, it should have replicated by now. Right. You have the same three strings here. Okay, that checks out. And now since it's a replica, it cannot take writes. Right, so if I had to do a write, right, it says that you cannot do it. Right? Now let's go back to my source EC2 cluster and see what is the status there. Okay. Okay. I'm back on 10.09. Okay, let's tune in for replication again. Okay, what do I see here? I see the master, it's still a master, of course, but I see the connected slaves count has gone from zero to one. Right? I can also see the replication offset of the slave here. Right? I can see the master replication offset too. Right? So what has happened behind the scenes as Mohan explained in the slide was that we have made it a replica of the master, we did the replication and it continues to happen. Right? Elastic cache doesn't do an uh, automatic failover. Uh, we don't make the decision when to make the source elastic cache cluster the master. Right? It is for the user and the customer to make the decision when to sort of failover. Right? And what we recommend customers look at is the replication offset. And we also have a metric that we can show you. This was the instance that is still migrating, right? At this point, it means that you can still write to your source EC2 cluster, and that will still be replicating to the destination Elastic Cache cluster. So let's, let's get into that. Let's look at this, right? These are the CloudWatch metrics that you would see for every node that is running on the destination Elastic Cache cluster. I'm going to skip all of that. I'm just going to go to master link health status. Right? So you can look at this and see what is the status of health of the master as seen from the replica. And this has gone from bump from zero to one. Right? Uh, so it says that I'm still connected and uh, the master according to me is still healthy. Okay. okay. Now you've seen that um, replication is happening, and as a user and as a customer, you decide to fail over. You want to make your Elastic Cache cluster the master, right? What you do is that you go back, and then you start a migration data, you stop migration of data. So if you have a small pop-up box here, which is to warn the users that if you're still writing to the source, uh, EC2 instance, then when the failover happens, there's a possibility of some data loss, right? The whole point that we are having online migration is that we want the data that is written to the EC2 cluster source to be uh, replicated to destination. But when the actual failover happens and if your application is still writing to the source, there's a possibility some data would be lost, right? So that is the warning sign here that comes up, right? We just want to let the customer know. Okay, so that's gone back to the modifying state. So the, the configuration that we had done previously to sort of wire it up uh, is gonna be broken down and the destination Elastic Cache cluster is gonna be made the master again so that it can start taking writes. Okay, so that's gonna take uh, a minute or so uh, for our monitoring system to also make sure the right appropriate configuration changes are uh, sort of taken in, right? So while that happens, um, I wanna go back to the slides
Yeah, some things that I want uh, the customers to note um, and for you folks to be aware of is that we support only going to a destination engine version of 505. Right? Your source can be different, uh, which is running on EC2, but your destination has to be 505. So online migration is supported only for the latest Redis engine version that we have. Um, as of today, we don't support um, encryption uh, enabled, that is TLS enabled. Um, our destination Elastic Cache clusters, as of today, if we had to create a new Elastic Cache cluster, you can have TLS enabled clusters. But for the online migration piece, we don't support that today. That is something that we are working on. And we already spoke about the having the same uh, VPC, right? That's what the security group here means. Uh, in this demo, we had both the source and the destination the same VPC. If there are different VPCs, of course, you can do VPC peering. And multi-AZ enabled is, as Mohan mentioned, we have different config, uh, configurations of our clusters. It can be uh, cluster mode disabled or cluster mode enabled. Today, we support cluster mode disabled clusters, right? And with multi-AZ enabled, right? So uh, we do support um, failovers of the destination elastic cache clusters in case of problems, even during the online migration. But Redis cluster mode enabled is not supported today. And that's something that we are also working on. So from the Elastic Cache perspective, these are some of the things that you have to keep in mind, the engine version and the configuration of your cluster. Um, these are some of the considerations that you need to have. These are per se not limitations with Elastic Cache itself. right? Um, but you just have to make sure you have sufficient memory in the destination Elastic Cache cluster. This is sort of a no-brainer, but people may miss it. right? Uh, the second one is Redis by default comes up in a production enabled mode, which means that it only listens on the loopback address uh, for request. Uh, you don't want that for online migration. It has to able to listen to other nodes too. So you have to make sure that is not turned on. Right? Uh, there is also bind configuration uh, in Redis. Uh, you have to make sure that uh, the Red source Redis engine version uh, allows you allows itself to take requests from other nodes. Right. That is what the first, second and third point mean. Uh, Redis also has a option to rename commands, right? So we do, uh, you if you rename certain commands, then we won't be able to replicate. We won't be able to apply those changes. So make sure you don't rename the appropriate commands that we use behind the scenes. And um, I showed a Redis instance. Uh, a Redis instance can have multiple databases running, right? Uh, so we have to make sure that the source and destination have the same number of databases. Right? Um, but apart from that, um, it's the migration itself should be just a stop and a stop. Right? So can we go back to the demo? Okay. Okay. So your Redis fully managed elastic cache was my destination. It's back to available status. So the migration has stopped. Let's go to the events. Okay. Uh, so this is what had started migrations out successfully. At 10.34 migration, uh, migration, complete migration was started and then 10.36 complete migration was successful. So we completed that. Now let's go back to the um, Redis database and see how things are. Right, so this is my source. Oops, this is it's done. So let me initiate another connection. This is my source, uh, still the master, right? And it has zero slaves because migration is completed, right? Now let's go back to my destination. Let me copy over the URL very quickly. This is the primary endpoint. Okay, excellent. So previously it was a slave during the migration. Now it's come back to become a master. And then it has two slaves connected to it, which is the two read replicas. Right. So let's do the keys command one more time. Okay, you have the three strings. Let's try doing a set which previously didn't work when it was a slave. Okay. 
that works, you can get the command and let's do uh, keys one more time. Okay, so now we have migrated data from a source EC2 Redis cluster completely to an Elastic Cache cluster in online fashion. And we also have it replicating to other nodes during the replication. Okay, let's get back to the slides. Okay, so these are the three things that we mentioned that we are still working on. The demo that I showed you was with Redis cluster mode uh, disabled. Uh, we want to enable Redis cluster mode also for the online migration, so that is one. The second one was the uh, security aspects that I talked to you about that we don't support as of today. Uh, that is something that we're working on too. Right? And if you have workloads that you have on-premise, which is not on EC2, and you wish to migrate it to Elastic Cache, we are happy to talk about that too. Okay. With that, we still have like 15 minutes, so we can take some questions. I can have Mohan join me on stage. There's a mic up front here, so if you have any questions on Redis or Elastic Cache or this particular feature itself, you'll be happy to answer that. Yeah, go ahead, please come to me. No, you can go ahead and start. Uh, different regions you're talking about. Uh, so, uh, like I said, uh, the connectivity is what it matters, right? So if, while, like if you're in the same VPC, you have connectivity. If you have different VPCs, you know, you have to do VPC pin. If you do have different regions altogether, really what we're talking about is a public endpoint on the different region, then we can migrate, but that's a special use case. Let's know what your workload is. Maybe we can take an action item and to see whether we can make it happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely possible. Uh, not not out of box, but we can uh, we can look at connectivity aspects of uh, the cluster that's running on the on the different region on the other region, and then we can we can guide you on that. Yeah. And just to add to that, you're just looking at online migration of data from one cluster to another, or you want clusters working together in different regions. Both. Oh, okay, fine. So uh, I think for the first case, as we mentioned, it is possible, all right? Either you can have a public endpoint or you can actually do uh, VPC pairing behind the scenes. The second one is more like a feature where you have multiple clusters running in different regions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, stay tuned for our updates, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, so that's one of the things we do. We take care of it uh, in an online fashion, particularly if you have a cluster where you have at least one replica, right? Then you don't have any uh, downtime at all. It's all online. Uh, the way it works is that we actually add a node uh, we call shadow node. We uh, replicate the data and then we take down other one. And then we also have some. Uh, we also have technology where, you know, for the time where you are making a failover, uh, typically you are uh, communicating with a DNS endpoint. And so, for us to switch uh, uh, the IP from um, from the DNS endpoint from old to the new one. There is a, a latency involved, particularly on Route 53. So what we do is that for that duration, we have a small layer of software that's running on the new master, which is not fully new master yet because you have not realized on your client side yet. Uh, we actually take the rights and redirect to appropriate master to make sure you don't have any write loss per se. And so uh, in net, you're not gonna have any downtime in, in that configuration. If you only have one node only, meaning you don't have any replica, all you have is a master, 
then you are going to have downtime uh, because you know even if we were to add a new one um, and do all the things that we need to do, still you, you, you are talking to the IPs directly and for you to actually direct the traffic to the new master, it takes time for you. But many of the configurations, you absolutely have no downtime. One additional thing uh, to mention is that uh, you can go to console and say you want to do it now. I mean, you can choose when to patch it as well. And you get notifications and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to 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 patch a new node, it depends on the data size as well. Because when we put a new replica and and say, hey, go to the old master and establish a stream and get the data, depending on the size of the data, it could take time. That's the only thing. Uh, everything else we do really fast. It's not a problem at all. Yeah. Uh, the only limitations we have, there are a couple of things mentioned on the slides as well, is that your configuration of number of databases on that version should match the same number of databases uh, on the new cluster. One important aspect is that you don't want to rename a command that we use. So if you rename a command uh, on your source cluster, where let's say one of the things we call is psync and replica from this thing, right? And if you rename one of those and we can't call those, then we can't do it, right? Those are the kind of um, limitations. Um, but otherwise, it should just work uh, for any version that you have. Uh, what version particularly are you running uh, right now? For, oh, that should oh. be okay. That yeah, there is per se no restriction. I think no. we in Elasticash right now support from 2.8, right? So uh, older Indian version should work. Even in this demo, probably I'm just showing that the source was running 4.0. Yeah, you could. Um, so today, uh, Redis open source, there is no encryption, as you know. And all you can do in terms of security is you can establish a username and password, and we call our, our, our tokens, right? Um, that's what you have with open source. On Elasticash, you have, um, um, if, if you want to have a cluster where you want to enable uh, authentication tokens, then you got to also have TLS. So we've, we believe strongly that it's a package. You got to have encryption and credentials to make sure your cluster is uh, secure. Uh, we also enable you to actually rotate your credentials uh, when they expire, whatever the frequency you want, you can rotate the credentials. So the idea is that if you are running a cluster that's, um, let's say, um, uh, auth-based cluster, and you don't have you know, TLS uh, or you don't have any encryption, uh, whether it's REST or transit or whatnot, we don't want to allow that thing to migrate to Elasticash. It's just that because we believe that it's a package deal, we want to make sure everything is together. Now, there are certain use cases where um, we could allow once and then um, um, the customers repeatedly ask for enabling TLS after the fact, which is not possible, right? Uh, and so the only way we could actually make it happen is that if you have auth-enabled cluster, we migrate to you, um, to our cluster uh, without auth, and then we enable package deal, take uh, auth and TLS together. But today, out of box, we don't support that because it's, it's the complicated setup that you have to go through. But if you have a workload that you want to do it, uh, let us know. Uh, we could uh, 
actually whitelist and see uh, if that can work for you. You had a question? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so in the case that we have like uh, one uh, primary node, the Redis, one replica, what happened to the uh, failed replica? What happens to, sorry? Yeah, failover? So, uh, so how AWS handle that case if one replica fails? So how do you handle it? Is there any downtime? Uh, if you have a primary, uh, let me understand the question. If you have a primary and a replica on elastic hash, Right? And if a replica fails, that's the thing? Okay. So, like I said, we have sophisticated monitoring. So, we're always monitoring the nodes and see uh, um, if the node is healthy or not. The moment you detect node is not healthy, a node is not healthy could happen for a variety of reasons. Either a node gets impaired uh, because of a hardware failure or whatnot, or it could be that, you know, node is not responding because some situation on the, um, uh, on the hardware itself or in the software where you're consuming more memory than what you have in the box and it's not responding, right? In those instances, what we do is that we actually go ahead and replace the node uh, with the new node and start replicating data. That is only for if you have one replica, right? If you have multiple replicas, you don't have that problem. And if you have other replicas, right? Uh, but, um, if you have only one replica, that's what we do. We replace the replica, we put a new node, start replication, it's available for you. And at that moment, all of the read and drive will go into the master. Right, depending on how your application is doing it. Uh, certain applications, they actually go for all the reads to the read replicas, or replicas, yeah. and um, writes only to the master. And some of them actually do both reads and writes at the master, and so, Depending on your application, your application can choose to say, well, my replica is not available anymore. So until my replica comes back up, I can just go to the master. You could do that. Uh, so that is the thing that we have to do at the application or AWS handle behind the scenes. Like we're still using the same read endpoint, the same write endpoint, and no change on the application. Uh, it's just like switch something on the back end, or the application have to do it. But uh, I mean, if your application is designed to only go writes into the master and yeah. reads to the replicas, then you have to change it. If you don't have it, you were sending, uh, let's say, traffic for both master and replicas uh, all along for reads and writes, you don't have to make any change. It should just work. It's just that your master is gonna get more traffic than before because there is no replica out there. Does it make sense? Yeah, so, so, so what you're saying is like we have to handle it from the, from the application. If you, because, because you, you particularly, if you restricted your traffic to go to master for all rights and reads go to replicas, then you have to make the change. If you don't have that restriction, you're just sending, hey, I'm just sending reads. I have two nodes, both master and replica. I'll just send it to one of the nodes and I'm sending my rights to master. Then you don't have to make any change. Because replica goes down, your reads are still going through to the master. Now, in the non-cluster mode workloads, one of the things we do is we have a reader endpoint, and so for customers who are looking to distribute reads across multiple replicas, they can do that. You don't have to distribute anything. You just use one reader endpoint. We distribute ourselves among the replicas. Uh, so in, in situations where if you have more replicas and one of the replica goes down, then we, we know what to do in that case. We just put a new replica and add it to the same endpoint, and then everything is fine for you. But like I said, in your case, if you, but if you have code that's restricting reads to go to the masters, then you need to make a change. Yeah, just to add to that point, yeah. uh, you, might, you want to use the reader endpoint, and you want to have more than one replica or more than one node behind the reader endpoint so that you'll be able to handle at least one node failure, right? And that way, uh, um, your application doesn't have to change at all. And it'll be resilient to at least one node going down. Yep. Would you ever want to operate in a single-node model with no replicas? Is there any benefit to doing that? Would you always want to have one replica? Um, we encourage customers to use uh, uh, or at least have one replica, for sure. 
the variety of reasons. One, um, you have better resiliency. Uh, when master goes down, you have a replica that we can promote as a master and you don't have any downtime. That is one reason. The other reason is that um, you, are, uh, you have better um, throughput uh, from your application. If you could say, for all my reads, I'm going to use my replica, and for all my writes, I'm going to use the master. Uh, so you have better throughput as well. Um, we also encourage customers to have primary and one AZ, replica in another AZ. Particularly if you have uh, availability zone that's experiencing some issues, and if you don't want to incur downtime, uh, then you want to uh, have um, your primary and replica placed in different availability zones, and so that way you don't have any downtime. So these are the kind of things we'd recommend. We also recommend customers to use uh, cluster mode more than the non-clustered mode, because cluster mode provides you more options in terms of sharding data across multiple masters in case if you end up increasing your data or your use case emerges in a way that you are uh, uh, significantly adding more data to that cluster. Uh, yes or no? Um, once you are on the Elastic Cache cluster, we do we do take care of that. That's the one I was talking about, where we have a thin layer of software that's running on the uh, soon-to-be-made master, right? And so, um, and also on the old one. So the, the idea is that you, typically, what happens in a failover process is that you have a master and a replica. And when we promote the replica to your master, what we do is that we chain the DNS endpoint uh, to uh, point to the new IP, right? In that process, when the requests are coming, and on the client side, if you don't have the TTL properly set, then you could have still the old IP, and you still might be going to the old IP for writes, right? In which case, uh, if the node is still healthy, you take the writes on the old master, New master that we are trying to promote is still not a new master yet in that case, right? What we have is a thin layer of software on the new uh, master. Uh, if the writes come during that time where DNS hasn't caught up yet, uh, we actually redirect the writes from the new about to be made master to the old master. And so you have one source of truth for all the writes. And once the resolution happens on the DNS to point to the new IP and client realizes the new IP, then all the rights go to the new master. Now, why I'm explaining all of this is that we can do all of that when you have your cluster running on Elastic Cache. Now, if you have uh, your uh, uh, cluster running in, uh, on EC2 and then new cluster in Elastic Cache, we can't do that because that requires a lot more coordination between the old master and the new master. And we don't have that yet established because you could be running on an open source engine that's not compatible for us to actually do that collaboration. Is there any software that could help us that we could run on our side? Uh, you could add client code that uh, could detect uh, um, uh, or, or uh, you could fork the writes in such a way that I have failed over, right? You made the failover happen. The moment you do the failover, you could say, I'm going to write the uh, writes to both uh, locations uh, until you're comfortable that, look, you know, I'm going to retard this one. You could do that on the application. Um, but I can't think of anything else. Yeah, without a client side change, it's going to be harder do. You can think of certain proxies. Uh, I wouldn't pick a name right now for a proxy, but as Mohan mentioned, doing it, changing your client-side code to do dual rides is probably the most, best mechanism for that short duration. Which, which many of our customers actually do that today because 
even though it's very small amount of time where failover happens, um, the, the case that is very interesting is, the, is that when you have too many applications to go update. If you have one or two applications, it's not a big deal, right? Uh, but if you have multiple applications, particularly if you have a bunch of containers out there that you, you take time to reboot, you do want to have code uh, to, uh, do, to have the rights for both masters until you're comfortable and say, look, you know, I'm done with all the updates. Um, now, you know, just return the old one. Okay, I think we're just out of time. Any other questions? No? Over time. Thank you for, uh, for, for your time today. And uh, you can reach out to us. We have our emails on the, on the slide. Uh, even if you, have, if you have questions about migration or if you have questions about the service in general, please reach out to us. We would like to hear from you. Uh, we would like to improve our experience based on your feedback. And so happy to hear from you. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you.